Hi everyone, my name is Yara, and you're listening to the Daydream Wars podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for a solo episode in which I'm going to read the introduction of my new book, Rituals, Simple and Radical Practices for Enchantment in Times of Crisis. Um, I'm obviously really excited to get there, but I want to share a few things before I begin. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for listening and sharing and reviewing this podcast. I uh, wrote a new description, like a little podcast blurb, and so I went through all the old episodes yesterday and put it at the bottom of each episode, and I just really felt my heart swelling with gratitude I was as I was looking through all the beautiful guests I had, all the conversations and giggles we had, and everyone who's listened and commented and gave feedback, so that was really nice to hear, and as we're approaching five years on the podcast, I'm also thinking about how much it's been a stability in my life, and how I've tried different things in my business and, you know, wrote scenes and now I have a book and different kinds of programs and workshops and this podcast has been the threat through all of these different things and I feel, yeah, really grateful to have these landing spaces to explore my own thoughts and and change and, and grow, hopefully. Um, there's so much still to learn, obviously, and I, I noticed that in some of the earlier conversations that I've published, yeah, I disagree with myself sometimes. And I think that's part of the process. And obviously that feels a bit uncomfortable being public in these ways, but it's also important to share that and have have grace with ourselves, I guess. And there's the same kind of nervousness in publishing this book now. It's been really exciting and grounding to write it in May and June this year. But part of me is also like, oh my gosh, like, would I have written a different book next year or last year when I had maybe more or a different kind of headspace? But I felt like really this book had an immediacy to it and I really wanted to write it this spring and it felt like such a devotional practice for me to wake up every morning and write a thousand words and um, and then to design the cover and kind of guide the proce- process towards publishing it, which took a lot longer than I had imagined, if I'm honest. But anyway, that's part of the magic as well. So yeah, here we are. A few updates from my life. I'm at the moment kind of finding a new rhythm with myself and the dogs, I think. Um, I'm recording this in mid-August. Um, I'm taking the last week of August off. I I'm trying to really schedule more time off into my calendar. It feels so nourishing to really switch off completely and be off screen and just read paper books and hike even more and swim in the sea. And I really find myself needing that so much, really needing time to integrate and think about everything that's changing this year um, to stay as present as I can. Um... Yeah, what else? (laughs) I feel excited about writing more books. I have so many more ideas at the moment and um, I have ideas for, yeah, more zines and books and also an upcoming program that I wanted to share about. So in spring or early summer, I ran a program called Unravel, which was combining breathwork, ritual and writing for grief tending. And that was a really, really great experience. I loved everyone who came together we had some really cool live sessions and yeah I got really sweet feedback so thank you so much if you took part of that and enjoyed it or if you did it and you told me that's great um I'm running my programs through Patreon and that's my way of making them as accessible as possible while also 
honoring my time and energy and making sure that I have a little bit of stable income. So if you want to support the show and take part in my programs or also receive my zines, an e-version of this book that I just mentioned, um, as well as workshop recordings, um, please consider pledging at any level that suits you. The link is, as always, in the show notes. Um, the program that's coming up that I'm thinking about is called Dream, and it's more of writing based because writing like I mentioned over the summer has been so important to me and I would really love to hold space for all of us to write and reflect a little bit more about what's happening at the moment so this will be a six-week program starting either in late September or early October I'm not totally sure yet but I will announce that soon and it will include weekly little writing prompts and audio recordings from me that are little pep talks for your own practice, but then also 45-minute sessions on a Saturday where we're just going to meet and meditate together for a moment, going to draw a card, and then we'll write together and then share a little bit. And I think I'm going to keep that really sweet and simple, but just really look forward to that togetherness. Um, so again, you'll be automatically invited to that if you become a patron, and that also supports the show, so I would really, really appreciate that. And now I want to read to you a little bit from the book. So <laughs> um, as I said, it's called Rituals, Simple and Radical Practices for Enchantment in Times of Crisis. And the blurb at the back says, Rituals is an approachable, inclusive guidebook that will help you create meaningful rituals for everything from heartbreak to transitions and creative projects. It explores how a sense of enchantment can strengthen your movements and offers accessible and simple practices woven together from folk magic, independent celebrancy, expressive art, and queerness. My hope is that rituals will help you find a politicized spirituality that merges from your own understanding and offers you comfort and resilience in difficult times. <laughs> it's not easy to write a book blurb, I'm telling you that. Um, I luckily had help from my friend Sophie Dale, um, and that made it so much easier. She's really wonderful at capturing the essence of a bigger piece of writing in a short paragraph. The book has three parts to it. It has an introduction, which I will read to you in a moment. And then the first part is called Elements of Ritual. And it has uh, about 12 subsections to it. Um, and they're about different yeah, elements or aspects of ritual that kind of, for me, form the foundation of my practice. Um, so it looks at enchantment, mental health, cultural appropriation, reciprocity, ancestors, death awareness, <laughs> activism, justice, ritual with others, working with the moon. And it's not very prescriptive, I hope. It's more like a general overview of what my thoughts are and I hope that this is an invitation to you for you to kind of explore what your own thoughts on these different subjects are and what you want your ritual practice to be grounded in and the second part of the book is sharing actual ritual practices and it's um segmented into five parts the first one is rituals for heartbreak grief and loss the second one is rituals for new chapters identities and transitions um, the third one is rituals for body blessings the fourth one is rituals for creativity and the fifth one is rituals for enchantment and resilience and these are really really simple practices there was some self-consciousness in myself where i was like is this like elaborate or complex enough or should it be bigger or something? But actually really what I found over the years is that 
Simplicity means my practice is consistent, and that means so much to me, especially in times of change, where I want to have something solid and reliable to lean into. So all these practices that I'm sharing here are pretty simple. Um, they're free or very inexpensive. Um, they're not depleting uh, precious ecological resources. That's been important to me, and they're also culturally sensitive. And then the last part of the book, part three, is about creating a reg regular practice to lean into. And so I'm just kind of recapping in that section what, um, what I'm getting from ritual and what I hope for all of us moving forward. And also I'm sharing a little bit about what has worked and what hasn't worked for me in terms of really making a commitment that feels good and is spacious and flexible, but also committed. I really love this phrase, letting... Um, letting discipline become devotion. That's been feeling really sweet for me, especially this year. Okay, so now I'm going to read you the introduction. <clears throat> Writing this book has been an anchor through the coronavirus pandemic for me. For the first two months of lockdown or social distancing, I have resisted productivity narratives and let myself cry on the floor while eating my way through all my waves of feelings, which was exactly what I needed. The third month began with a beautiful full moon in Scorpio and a feeling of being a little bit more settled in this new reality, so I returned to my writing practice. Every morning my puppy wakes me up no later than 6am. I feed my dogs, brush my teeth, put some clothes on and head to the beach down the road. Living in a village on the east coast of Scotland means we still have easy access to natural beauty, for which I am so grateful. We play a bit, Ernie chases some birds and chews a few sticks and then we turn home. I shower, light a candle, make my favorite tea, and then write a thousand words or more before I do anything else. Some days it's hard and I'm tired, but most of the time I feel like a, it feels like a very soothing practice. I'm thinking a lot about how I want to let this time change me and how, and I know that we all <clears throat> have to fall apart in order to be remade. When I pay attention, I can see that in the midst of loss and injustice, there's also beautiful, also beautiful emergence of slowness, heightened creativity, and solidarity all around me. It makes me hope sincerely that life will never be the same after this, even if the chaos of change feels deeply unsettling. As someone who is neurodivergent and purposefully weird, I'm incredibly reluctant to accept change, and I'm often bewildered by the human experience. Rituals have therefore become an invaluable source of support for me, especially right now. I feel that rituals are a way for our souls to catch up with what is happening all around us, and also a way to work with our intentions and desires in meaningful ways. I'm wondering how we can stop participating in capitalism for good beyond the temporary closure of our shopping malls due to the pandemic. I also want to know how we as white people can move from short-lived reactions to police violence against black people that has always been there to working towards a radical, sustained, long-term transformation for justice and community safety systems. It's easier to see capitalism and other systems of oppression as an other, something outside of myself that I have nothing to do with. But I know, like we probably all do on some level, that I have chosen to participate in the wrong kinds of rituals for a long time. This time of grief, chaos, and solitude is giving us so much to think about. It makes me feel hopeful and excited when people say they don't want to go back to a normal, even though I know we don't actually have a solid plan for anything else yet. Maybe this is a crucial moment. It certainly is a crucial moment, to time, a crucial time to act around climate change as we only have a small window of time left to avoid 
overwhelming beyond a level that would cause unthinkable catastrophes in our lifetimes. Spelling out the idea of terrible things happening in my lifetime, I'm noticing a sense of urgency that I wouldn't feel if I was writing about some kind of lifetime for some kind of future generation. I really think that is telling us a lot about how disconnected we've become from the cycle of life that we do actually belong to. I can see in myself that this cognitive dissonance is mirrored in the kinds of rituals I've committed to in the past, like pressing a button and expecting something made of plastic to arrive at my door the next day. And I know this has to stop. 2020 is a wild year. I've never experienced this much intensity and contrast in such a condensed period of time. I'm sleeping much more than usual to try to process as best as I can. I'm drawing, drawing on seen and unseen resources. On one hand, there are all these brutal losses of people, spaces, relationships, instability, and then the rage from knowing that a lot of it could have been avoided. Then are the bits of hope because suddenly we, we, suddenly things we've always wanted are possible. Mutual and aid networks have popped up everywhere. More people can finally work from home. Yet working class people are disproportionately affected by being sent back to work. And we're slowly all the way, we're slowing all the way down. We're forced to think about how unsustainable our lives become, have become, or more simply, how much joy and connection we actually really have allowed ourselves to feel. For me, staying present without being crushed by the chaos of this moment as being is the biggest challenge. After the brutal murder of George Floyd, another unarmed man, black man at the hands of a white police officer, more people are willing to admit that the police aren't actually protecting our communities, especially not marginalized ones. We need new ways of finding justice, and we finally need to confront the structural racism that's deeply ingrained in all elements of our society. There's no more looking away, and there's also no excuse for the ways in which we have been complacent and ignorant in the past. It's a wake-up call that has always been there. It has just gotten much louder. How can we sustain this moment in our movements? How can we make sure we're not becoming complicit in our own oppression by burning ourselves out? How can we create conditions that ensure we're able to show up for what we believe in in the long run and as best as we can? I've taught ritual practice online for a few years now and really love the gentleness of small, mostly body-based practices that as a whole and over time add up to something that feels very nourishing and luminous. It helps a bit and that really matters to me. While I've been making rituals all my life, I'm also writing this as someone with very little experience of highly formalized group ritual. I'm pretty socially awkward and find large groups of people difficult, so these kinds of things often haven't felt accessible to me. I've trained in a few different bodywork modalities, was lucky to learn about ritual practice and folk magic from some wonderful experimental teachers, and studied creative writing and as well as collaborative media practice for social change. So those are the strands that I'm weaving together here. This book is not a complete history of ritual across time and cultures, but a snap snapshot of one human at one point in time asking questions about the world and how to live in it. There are many cultures that have much older, larger, and more creative bodies of work around ritual practice than I have as a white person, and I honor them while also trying my best to stay in my lane. Having time and space to write this book feels like a huge blessing right now, even if I feel a bit shy about it. When I remember some of the poetry I published in my early and mid-twenties, I cringe and wish I could take it back. I'm trying not to think about it too much because I know the self-consciousness would stop me in my tracks. 
Having built two businesses and paths through social media over the past five years, I also know how fast things can move and how quickly our language and thinking can develop. And in a way, I do hope that this book will feel dated 10 years from now too. I hope that my practices will have deepened, that has been that has more nuance and that we collectively have healed and integrated some more with what's happening in 2020. So in moments when I'm feeling hesitant to share these mostly very personal thoughts, I remind myself that it's okay for them to also have their own life cycle and to eventually be recycled literally and metaphorically. On the other hand, I do think that rituals have a timelessness to them and that they have something to offer to anyone at any time with whatever is available. My hope is that in reading rituals, you'll find some solace, some grounding, and some inspiration for your own rituals and resistance. I also hope that this book will offer you a framework to explore a practice of resilience at this time, and maybe even a spirituality of your own understanding. I think that finding our own truth and staying connected to something beyond our own lives is a very important skill that will support all of us in better navigating whatever happens next. It's my intention to make the practices I'm sharing this book as accessible as possible while being culturally sensitive and honoring my teachers. I won't make assumptions about who you are in this book, about what you're able to do or about what you have access to. There will also be no gendered language and while trauma will be briefly mentioned, there won't be any graphic details. You're welcome to take from this what feels good and then leave the rest. Traditionally, rituals have three parts to them. Separation from ordinary life, the middle part, which I like to think of as a ma magical liminal space, and then the integration of returning home part. In the smallest sense, that could mean intending a moment of quiet from a busy day, separation, lighting a candle and sitting with it, liminal space, and then blowing it out to go to bed a little bit calmer, integration. But of course, there are also countless beautiful ways in which this rhythm can play out in larger and poetic and more mysterious ways. If you apply this framework to life, you might find that there have been times in which you have been separated from something familiar against your will, and that this separation threw you into some kind of liminal space, regardless of whether you wanted to be there or not. You might also see a pattern of return, moments in which you can recognize that the breakup, the job loss, or the decline of health or ability did teach you something that you made as you made your way back home and found ways to integrate this experience. It feels important to say that meaning-making should never be forced. I got so frustrated when folks who experience deep personal hardship and or systemic oppression get told that it all happens for a reason, that we should just up our frequency. This is not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I hope that rituals can help us find a language for the systemic injustice we're seeing and, experience with, <laughs> we're seeing and experiencing without trapping us in a place of victimhood. Finding meaning has to come naturally in its own terms, and it does not negate the injustice. We all may or may not find some silver lining in harm we've experienced, but to bypass the rage, sadness, and grief that we have, have to move through is just toxic posit positivity. We all may also use the moments of solitude we're creating in ritual to better understand the situations in which we have caused harm and to find ways to do better moving forward. It won't work to leave parts of ourselves behind if we want to arrive in a place of integration and wholeness. In my experience, practicing this non-linear, sometimes confusing and unpredictable pattern of separation, liminality and integration in small ways such as in our, in, in our own homes, bodies, and communities will help us navigate the bigger waves of change too. 
I'm wondering what it will feel like to look back at 2020 10 years from now. I wonder what we will have learned from this and if we will have managed to hold on to some of the good bits, the slowness, the possibility of reimagination, the solidarity. To me, grief tending is an important part of this work as is pleasure seeking. It is hard to be certain of anything right now, but I'm certain that we will need skills in these areas to move through the next few years and beyond. As you explore the following chapters, please let them be an invitation for kindness with yourselves and others. Let's be culturally sensitive and mindful of our own privileges. Let's share the resources we have as freely as we can. Let's be aware of the violent history and presence of colonialism, capitalism, and other forms of oppression. This will be an imperfect process, but refusing to engage in this very important work would leave our practices feeling hollow and superficial. This book begins with a long chapter on the elements of ritual, followed by a chapter with more specific ritual ideas. I close with a chapter on developing a support of regular practice to lean into. You can start at the very beginning, or you can dip in and out of the chapters as and when they speak to you. I also like the practice of book divination. Think about a question or a situation you need support around. If in doubt, let it be just the present moment. And then close your eyes and let your fingers run through the pages until you feel you want to stop. Then open the page and see what you'll find. Thank you for reading my book. I've done my best to step out of way and just write where a thought needs to be written. But I can tell that my brain is operating slightly differently at this time. And I'm hoping that my book's imperfection will encourage you to make your own imperfect things. In love and solidarity, Yarov. <laughs> this has been longer to read than I imagined. So, yeah, all of this still feels true. And and it is scary to share the book with the world. But I hope you like it and that you get something out of it. If you read it, I would love to hear from you. And, yeah, if you want to share it, obviously that's really appreciated too. I'm going to add the link to the book page on my website in the show notes and really want to encourage you to buy from independent bookshops whenever possible. Um, indie Books is one of the options if you're in the US, for example. You can order it online, but at the same time, support your local bookshops. Um, you can also order it in a local shop. That should be possible. And there's other options to order online as well. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show and for being here with me. I really appreciate you so much. <laughs>